Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 376 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Hamshack and this is our deep dive episode and we do have a deep dive tonight, but we're not actually sure what we're deep diving into. We're going to find out as we go along. So let's go ahead and introduce the main characters of this show. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. And tonight we have with us a special guest, uh, someone we've known for, you know, off and on for quite some time. He's also a Missourian, like Cheryl and I are. So it's uh, cool to have, although he's from the wrong end of the state, but that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll let that, no, I know. We'll let that slide. So welcome (laughs) into Linux in the Hamshack tonight, Sterling Man, N0SSC. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are y'all? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're doing great. And you're going to tell us all about the stuff you've been doing. And we're going to, this is, this is Bill's episode. We put, we, yep. we liquored Bill up and we put him behind the wheel. So we're going to see how that goes. Mission complete. <laughs> we're just going to sit back and relax while I blab on about my life. Exactly. So the, the first thing we need to ask you, and I'll just go ahead and ask this question. And then I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride is, uh, who the F is Sterling man? <laughs> Wow. Are you asking me or are you asking Bill? No, I, I, we're asking okay. you. Bill, no, Bill who is Sterling Man? And then, then we'll get counterpoint from the actual Sterling Man. <laughs> well, uh, Sterling Man, formerly Sterling Coffee, right? Yeah. Yeah, of uh, N0SSC is... Uh, Gee, he's just a famous young ham, I think. Famous? <laughs> famous? Uh, infamous? Infamous? Infamous. Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit of both, huh? Uh, recently uh, announced as the uh, IARU Region 2 uh, Youth, and oh, is that the ambassador? Is that right? No, it, it's or a liaison. Youth liaison. Liaison. Yeah. That's a fancy I'll get into name. Why yeah. Such a fancy name, but yeah, and he's involved in a lot of things, and uh, most recently uh, we've been seeing a lot of new episodes is pop up on YouTube doing the youth workshop series, which we're going to ask about. And uh, I think over the, the pandemic, he also tried to learn some CW and shared that online as well. So, uh, I, yeah. if I, if I saw correctly, your bio says you did CW by listening to a decoder. You didn't actually do any CW. So <laughs> do you, do you do CW now? Do you know what, what an A sounds like? <laughs> I'm sorry, I jumped in there. Go ahead. (laughs) He was also involved in uh, the YouTubers Fest that uh, occurred earlier this year. And let's see, what else? Oh, he's also uh, a co-host, I suppose, on uh, the Phasing Line podcast, which is not... Oh, that old thing. That has not been, uh, has not had an episode in, uh, what, a couple years now. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so Sterling, why don't you uh, give us a little intro on yourself for those that 
like in the dark ages and haven't actually heard of you. And uh, tell us what you're up to right now. Well, I won't. Uh, I won't take any offense if you haven't heard of me. I'm. I'm definitely. I try to be humble, um, but uh, I'm. I consider myself a you right now a advocate for young people, uh, youth in ham radio, and and youth in general. Um, let's see. Let's go back to when I was five years old, and yada yada yada. I was. Why did I get into ham radio? It's a matter of like. I just was a tinkerer like everyone else here. Everyone else who probably listens to this is the same thing. Like, just played with junk and toys and tore things apart, like tore TVs and radios and uh, all that kind of stuff apart, put it back together kind of in a different way that made it not work and got on your parents' bad side. But eventually they got me, like, uh, probably when I think when I was five or six, one of those, like, little toy 49 megahertz uh, walkie-talkies, and I was just... I was just over the moon. I was in fa- I was fascinated, infatuated with these things, and I would prohibit myself or prohibit my family from talking to me unless it was over those uh, those hand those little uh, toy handhelds. Just because I was just like, how does this work? And I I would run down the street and see how far I could get the the signal to go and and that sort of thing. And eventually, I tore those apart to try to figure out how they work and never could get them back together and it was very sad and then fast forward to like age 13 i got a cb radio uh from my grandparents and that opened up a whole new barn door of uh, truckers <laughs> basically because i lived right on interstate 70 um but your, your bio and- your bio says you badgered your grandfather until he gave it to you <laughs> <laughs> you know more about me yeah. <laughs> I, the thing the funny thing is like things memory is i that's one thing i've noticed is i'm getting older <laughs> i'm only 28 um but uh, i've i've written things down and uh, i've forgotten the way i've forgotten already how 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 it happened but you're right i saw the cb radio in like this cabinet in in his garage and i like kind of closed the doors thinking like i need to figure out how to get this and so you know one day it came up in conversation like on a thanksgiving day and i was like hey uh i thought i think i saw you had a cb radio in your cabinet he's like why are you looking in my cabinet He's just joking. You think just, it was his liquor cabinet, but just, no, yeah. it's a CB radio cabinet. No, he just, it was just a bunch of like you know yard stuff and and tools and whatnot. And he actually just went out there, picked it out, got an antenna, and said, "Here you go," because he already knew I was like a techie nerd, and so put that on my dad's car. And we listened to truckers on the way home, and he nearly threw the thing out because of the you know truckers. You know what they say? Yeah. Uh, I got to um, say this. If I, I don't know if I've said this on the program before, but I'm going to say it now. Because it was awesome. My dad, once upon a time, had a 1976 Dodge Diplomat station wagon. And uh, for those people who don't know what a station wagon is, it's a five-door car. <laughs> it's an SUV with a <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, it's an SUV height. from the 70s. <laughs> but it had an in-dash factory AM FM CB. Mm. <laughs> that's fancy they don't make them like those anymore no they definitely cool. don't so that was kind of awesome and then i i was already into to the radio at that time but yeah <laughs> go, go find yourself an am fm cb nowadays <laughs> right <laughs> anyway sorry i'm detracting deep. i'm gonna shut up now <laughs> <laughs> no worries i i tend to ramble and i'll go on for hours if no one stops me so <laughs> i guess we'll go ahead and uh no one will stop me right no, of course not. Everyone's going to fall asleep. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I got that CB radio. Dad really didn't like it. Brought it back home, and, and I, I was making antennas. My first antenna I ever made was was uh, I took a bunch of coat hangers, like wire clothes hangers. I, I think we had, like, 
hundreds of them like and so i just strung them out and made i i think I, this was before i could like google things uh we had dial up so i think the best thing i could do is like cb antenna and just going through all of the you know things trying to sell you the imax 1000 or SolarCon a a20 or whatever uh, i found a thing where it's like the length needs to be this and so i took out as many coat hangers or clothes hangers and strung them out and kind of hooked them to each other and taped that like joint together so imagine like making two j's and kind of just like cinching them together so they they like pull on e- on each other and then just taping that i didn't like cut off any of the or, or sand off any of the uh, the paint the enamelettes on that stuff so i just they weren't connected at all so long story short put the antenna up in a tree and it just doesn't work at all the little cb has like a an swr meter it's, you can switch on it so i forget the model number it was a cobra not a 148 but like a but between like the the crappiest version and the and the newer version and this is this is one one of the radios my parents ended up getting me because my grandpa's radio was like one of those old 23 channels and it was a you know didn't work very well so they were like all right fine we'll go to the gas station like we were lived near a flying like right near a flying j that you know and they picked me up a nice cb radio with like shiny chrome and all that <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I used the crap out of that thing and, and abused it too. I tore it open and I found places on the internet where I can tune and peek it and get like five watts out of it instead of four. Man, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that just kind of like set that in motion. Um, my mom ended up getting herself a police scanner with a button with HAM written on it in all caps HAM. And on through that button is when I found out about ham radio, right? The. Um, uh, local repeater in Washington, Missouri would come through in that. And there was a repeater that was literally a stone's throw away across Interstate 70 that would come through. And it was just like, what the heck is this? And so it, it was like, oh my gosh, like this is the, this is my calling. This is like just people talking about radio on the radio. And, and I was just like waiting for this. And, uh, and that's, you know, long story short, it became a ham. <laughs> and that was just before high school. And to make a long story longer, Washington, Missouri is where they make Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipes. So there you go. Oh yeah. And happy apples. I don't yep. know. I don't know how far they d- uh, distribute happy apples, but the caramel apples are from Washington or maybe Marthasville. But yeah, that was the first club I ever went to is WA0FYA. And my, I got my first Elmers there, my first HF radio. They, they put me on, uh, for field day in 2000 and I want to say, I want to say 2007 or 2008. And overnight, I was a technician at that point, And overnight, I, I just made, I think I made 200 contacts all by myself um, on 80 meters and, and they had a really nice setup and they just like put me at a radio and said, good luck. And the guy who was supposed to be my control operator probably may or may not have fallen asleep, you know, and we were inside in a nice, uh, in, in an old school, uh, school, like a one room schoolhouse, but it was like heated and all the radios were in there and all these old guys were just starting to fall asleep and I'm just sitting there. QSO, QSO, QSO. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was fun. And, it, and that really set the hook. And so I uh, ended up, f- uh, when I went to the, wanted to go to college, I ended up uh, basically picking Rolla, Missouri, because they have the ham radio club, W0, Echo, Echo, Echo. I couldn't go anywhere else because I, f- I actually had a full ride to Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. I had uh, a pretty good scholarship to SEMO and to Missouri State University in, in the Springfield. 
So, but I was like, no, I only got like $2,000 a, a month out of, uh, out of Missouri S&T, but still I, I went down as an undecided engineer instantly, like got into the ham radio club, obviously became an electrical engineer, worked in electromagnetic compatibility labs down there. I've worked at the very large array radio observatory. I have a blog that is kind of split off of my n0ssc.com blog. It's n0ssc.blogspot.com, and it's called a zero in five land where I kind of blogged the whole, you know, making antennas and testing the VLA dishes and feed horns and helium receivers and doing all that fun stuff. It, and that that got me into the, you know, engineering side of things. And, and while I'm doing that, and, and I promise the story is going to come together, while I'm doing that, I'm basically becoming an adult. I'm, be- I'm growing my career. I'm, I'm getting into electrical engineering, hardcore, and I'm actually making some skills out of it. All because of ham radio and, and experiential design really helped too. I was in solar car. I was in Mars Rover design teams. I was in satellite teams, all to help them with their radio communications, like basically as a consultant. And so getting a job was no problem. I put that on my resume and, and my first job here in St. Louis is at the, the Boeing company. And my, uh, my uh, first manager like would introduce me as the ham because I had ham radio on my, on my, uh, uh, resume along with all the other experiential things that I've done. GPA didn't even matter, you know, even, even with a, a big company like that, as long as I met a threshold, I think it was like better than three or something, which was really hard to do when you're spending most of your time at W0 Triple E and not in <laughs> DPQ. <laughs> I spent so many hours in their in their club shack, uh, just studying and and being on a radio. Um, and and all the while I'm making YouTube videos. So so I started YouTube at my parents' house back in 2007, right when I got into HF radio, and that was when I did a tour of my ham shack, which was my bedroom. Um, and then I just kind of grew that, and I just like making videos, not really to do anything. It was just the thing to do at the time. I had dial-up internet, so I put a video out, and it took like two days to upload, and then it upload, and it get like two views, and I'd be like, "Whoa, <laughs> somebody watched that video!" and and. Basically, that's still what I'm doing today. I, I really like don't have any. I just put up random videos, and I and I don't have like a particular agenda is the wrong term, but kind of like a shtick. I I just like put up whatever, and I've been wanting to kind of consolidate it into something that's more like YouTubey and and try to like get views and you know maximize the potential. But I just never end up doing that. I I do hang out with a YouTube bunch though, and they they push me along to to put out videos and not really compete, but co- collaborate. So like we. We have these Monday night ham radio um, uh, marathons and Thursday night marathons and uh, and yeah I did I started doing live streamings and because uh, live streaming is so much easier you just hit the button and start talking and that's when I decided to do Morse code right um, uh, it was on Reddit actually somebody on Reddit was posted you know here here's a challenge for 2020 learn Morse code and I was like okay I'll do it and I'll do it live. <laughs> And and so I did it, and and I still don't know Morse code really well. I actually got into CW Academy, the beginner class, and so I can kind of do a little bit. And I'm not very very good at at receiving. Um, if if the conditions are perfect, and and if the Farnsworth timing, like the spacing between characters, is long enough, I'm pretty pretty good. I can send perfectly because all I did when when I was younger is learn how to send. I got a really nice paddle. Um, Thanks, you know, courtesy of uh, uh, one of the people down at uh, WA0FYA. That's another thing about a kit. I, I was just getting handed gear. And, and at Triple E, W0 Triple E, we just got handed 
oodles and oodles of like estate sale gear or, or just not even sale. It was just like people who were alumni uh, passed away and then their estate just said, oh, all the ham radio equipment goes to the AAA club. And it was things like IC or FT1000 uh, MP, uh, Flex 5000, uh, 1500 kilowatt, 1500 kilowatt, uh, 1.5 kW amplifier, all this, all the good stuff. So, and then me as a ham, almost all my radios besides uh, the two meter rig I got was, was um, donated or donated, I guess, just given to me. Uh, and the IC7046, I had to beg my parents to, to buy me from eBay. So, uh, if I, if I would have gone to more, um, more ham fest, I probably would have got a lot of free stuff, but again, kind of, I don't. I, I, I kind of try. I'm trying to be humble and not let this be a deep dive about Sterling Man, but a deep dive about youth and ham radio because <laughs> we're gonna get a, get to it eventually. Yeah, it's all relevant, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and relative because you're 28 now, so <laughs> <laughs> true. So your youth is slipping away day by day. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get it but essentially, I mean, you're right. Yeah, the, the this story, this testimony I'm giving is kind of like what I'm. Now, as an old man, an OM proper, uh, and what I'm trying to do is give back because I want more young people to grow up like me to get into ham radio and use that as a tool for their career development for, for you know, into STEM or STEAM or what have you, or even just to be like a thing that's better than drugs or better than video games or even an augmentation to video games. You know, there's all these like cool new modern t- ham radio 2.0. Um, shout out to Jason, the YouTube channel. Um, but, but the actual ham radio 2.0 things that are not just sitting on a radio and talking on a microphone and making contacts things that are like connecting your computer and having it talk to other computers um things like laura and and uh, zigbee and that sort of thing that you know will basically is the iot of today um because uh, i watched this this uh rsgb um uh, director, uh, what's his name? Kamal Singh, M0IOV, talk about the future of ham radio and how we need to be connected into like the internet of things and, and basically make ham radio like the, where, um, the, people who are hiring people who are creating the internet of things and making your refrigerator tell you that you're running low on milk, uh, hiring, get those people to hire hams, um, so that, you know, we all can get along, right? And so that the IoT industry can really flourish and we can connect everything together and, and hams benefit too because of, of, uh, you know, be, the fact that the, the next generation of technology is completely radio connected. You know, you got 5G in it and everything. And, and you have this thing where like China and Japan, Asia in general is like leading the charge on most of the technical development of that. Used to have Bell Labs here in the US and that was like mostly hams. And you still have people in, in the industry like at, at Boeing, at, at, at the very large array, at, at places like Honeywell, Northrop, um, Rockwell Collins, for crying out loud, you know, they, they're still around making radios for all kinds of industries and they employ, they have still have a ham radio club, but they're all aging. And that's a really big problem, I think. And, and there's not really solid data on how much they're aging. There's this kind of problem where we see a problem in the data, not a real problem. Like it's not a problem that people are old, really. I don't want to be ageist or anything. But uh, there's a problem that we don't have enough data on on understanding because right now we know there's this kind of curve that goes that, that peaks out about 55, 60. Um, that's the most number of hams. And then it's kind of like a distribution um, 
like a normal distribution from that point with a, you know, on the left side, on the lower side, kind of like slower slope. So that, you know, because people above the age of 75 have, you know, trouble living on much further than that. That's like the average, or I don't know, the average lifespan or maybe 80, something like that. But anyway, um, we don't know if we, if we take a snapshot of like the age of ham radio operators right now, that's what we see. But we don't know, we don't have really good data on the snapshot of ham radio operators in, say, 1970. Like, what was the age of all the ham radio operators then? Was it the same curve that kind of is is heavy on the older side? Or was it a younger person's curve? Like, was there more, more 30, 40-year-old operators back in the 70s? And has that bubble, has that curve shifted over to the right over the years? And if it has, that's a big deal because there's nothing kind of bumping up the curve on the the lower side of the age except for people like me and youtubers and yoda and and all that stuff trying to really get the uh, word out to the young people about ham radio to bring them in and, and enjoy what we have going on here right um so that's kind of the shtick and and i've been kind of doing things all around that uh to to, to publicize mostly to the older people um the general population of hams that this is a problem that we need to address and, and make ham radio more interesting and more uh engaging to young people and and leveraging things like stem and iot and modern computers and, and networks and internet and and satellites and everything to uh, ballooning and and rc and and gaming and everything to uh, to do that, to, to basically get more young people into ham radio. Because at the end of the day, I want to be uh, retired and be able to get on the air and have just as many people contesting um, as there are today. But if that curve, if that age curve is, is shifting to the right and there's nothing uh, increasing the numbers of younger hams in their 20s, 30s, 40s right now, then it won't be like that. It'll The ham radio world will just be nothing but preppers who have bay of things who never get on the air who just want to have a radio to be prepared there's nothing there's no going to be no more technical um hams like really as like we know it hams as we know it uh so that's what i'm trying to do not not saying prepping is bad or anything it's just like you can't talk to those people because they don't use the radio they just put them in a you know faraday cage and they only come they only get it out whenever <laughs> the you know stuff hits the fan so all right, I've talked enough. I gotta take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the ham world as we know it. That's <laughs> all gonna end. Oh my gosh! <laughs> now, I mean, most of most of us started ham radio when we were younger, and I know even my Elmers when I was getting licensed as a younger ham, they had operated since the '60s when I was getting op when I was getting my license in the '90s. And, uh, you know, so I I don't know. It's it's a, I guess it is really hard to gauge because the the maybe the data is not particularly uh, accessible mm-hmm. considering that the FCC has switched systems in all these years and uh, uh, we don't really have a good depiction of, of when that was. And, you know, there was a huge, a huge shift from CB into amateur radio. We all know mm-hmm. back in the sixties and seventies. Uh, so we got a lot of that, but like, you know, there's not a lot of people doing CB anymore i mean there still are people doing cb i'm not oh, saying yeah. there aren't <laughs> well now all the truckers just use the hand bands illegally instead of the illegal cb bands so right yeah yeah they put a you know, kilowatt in the back of the uh, rig and then they, uh, <laughs> we, should, their- we should honestly see if we can get rich to talk about that a little bit i'm curious yeah mm-hmm. um, just yeah. because he's a trucker and he's into ham radio and i know there are there are truckers who are legit ham radio operators but I'm curious what his sense of the 
the landscape is as far as trucking and amateur radio. Are people being legit ham radio operators? Are they using CB? Are they being illegal? What's the, and I think you yeah. might have some insight into that, but that's. That would be really interesting because I've yeah. noticed that free banders are very civilized. Like they act, they call CQ, they call CQDX, like, and they all have like their, their fake call sign, but. I don't know how they like make their call sign up. Sometimes they use their old CB call signs. Sometimes they just say 499 SkyDrive. Like it's like, but they but they act like hams, and so right. Why why don't they just get into ham radio? <laughs> because that's <laughs> too much work. It requires yeah. licensing and so on. Yeah. Well, at one time CBs required licensing too. Well, that's the, very true. Yes. A lot of the guys that were in the 60s and 70s all had their CB licenses. Yeah, actually had a, a CB call sign. Yep. Yeah, so it was a, it was a slightly different time, and I realized nowadays we also have you know obviously a a crap ton of of distractions out there for the young, <laughs> for the yep. youth. I'm I'm talking about my kids upstairs now. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter is currently playing Minecraft on uh, the Linux or Linux's text tips uh, server. <laughs> See, I think I think uh, if I have uh, some anecdotal evidence to present as far as the shift in amateur radio aging um i think what happened was like early on like when when radio was really early a thing late 1800s early 1900s it was kind of a an engineer an old person's game and then it became it shifted toward the younger because the people who were doing radio operations were people who were involved in uh wars basically Mm -hmm. doing radio communications so they were younger people of course because they were you know teens early 20s doing radio ops and then those people aged out because there was no reason to sort of propagate ham radio as a as a technology outside of people who had been doing it in the military mm-hmm. um and then we then it started to die and people started to realize hey if, if this really starts to die you know it's going to go away and so we need to start pushing it back so i think it's i think it's over time coming in sort of waves yeah and i think that's what we see a lot with the uh the newer the newer people that are getting involved in it come from groups like, uh, you know, CERT and stuff like that, where they're using FRS or GMRS and stuff like that. And this is kind of like a graduation step is to like, you know, move into ham radio, get into Aries, into races and stuff like that. But yet they still might have their, their handy dandy Beofang that you know, works on the repeaters, which I have one here. I'm waving it at the microphone so everybody can see it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they do have their place, and it's definitely an introduction into uh, ham radio. And, and, you know, the licenses do last for 10 years. Uh, and it's, it's, it is amazing that a lot of these people don't renew their license. So you end up dropping off after that first license. Right. Uh, you get a lot of people that um, at least, uh, you know, I'd say probably like maybe 10 years ago would be probably more popular. Uh, people getting amateur radio licenses for RC controls to do uh, a higher powered RC aircraft and stuff like that. I know several people even here in Montana that that's how they got their license. They've never talked on a radio. <laughs> they literally only got it to operate uh, RC radios, RC control uh, you know, aircraft and stuff like that at higher power so they can fly further away and stuff. Um and, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a interesting dilemma. Uh, my oldest is, is a senior at Montana State University and, uh, he has his ham license. Uh, although he's still only a technician, <laughs> I keep trying to convince him to, to uh, upgrade 
and get his uh get his, for crying uh, out loud even cheryl's a general what yeah, the hell yeah. <laughs> yeah no reason there's no reason <laughs> and uh, my middle son and him and his buddy now are playing around with frs um and they're in their 20s and uh they're more they're more kind of prepper ish kind of people <laughs> <laughs> so uh so now they're kind of interested in getting their ham radio license because i think his his buddy bought beofangs for uh for doing frs and i'm like i don't think that's really uh <laughs> specifically for that <laughs> i was like be careful where you tune that thing and uh yeah. <laughs> so so before we get into uh sterling and his actual like youth activities and the syllabus that we actually have outlined here, which we haven't even touched yet. Um, I, I have one, one question that I want to ask you. <laughs> and that is, um, digital radio, digital VHF and UHF, internet connected radio, uh, fusion, things like that, DMR and so, and so on. Um, what's your take on all of that? Is it real ham radio? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you, if you, buy a radio that puts out RF that's real ham radio it's real radio RF and all that stuff even even echolink cuz echolink is like okay if you're if you if you have echolink and you talk on the computer just on the computer to another person on echolink just on a computer like skype okay that's not real radio but as soon as it goes out over RF yes <laughs> totally real radio and and it's the spirit it's not necessarily even about and 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 hold on before we talk about things like ham sphere and like the virtual ham radio world but like there is a spirit like you 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 still buy a bunch of gear that's all radio related whether it's dmr fusion this and that the other thing um the only thing that you add is the internet connectivity and that's really good for the especially young people i think for a lot of a lot of people all over age the age bracket, especially DMR, because it's much cheaper and um, you can set up things like kind of ad hoc rather than, um, you know, going through D-Star where you have to, like, co- contact the right people to set up repeaters and that sort of thing uh, and networks and whatnot. So, uh, and so, who knows what System Fusion even does. I <laughs> We got a bunch of repeaters, but you know, no one ever uses them. They just put them on the regular repeater mode and not use Fusion. Uh, and I got a Fusion <laughs> radio, too, and I just never use it, so... Well, we might have to get you into that. But before we go on, I'm going to let Bill take over once again. But I'm going to have to say, in your face, Bill! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I still don't have any digital radios. (laughs) Well, I don't have a hotspot. And and even though I'm in St. Louis City proper, like I really want to be on DMR. But the closest DMR repeater is like up in North County. and, And even on my second floor, I can barely hit it. Um, but I don't have a hotspot and I've always been wanting to get one, but, uh, and that, that would open up the whole world. Like you, you, it's interesting that you mentioned like, is a real ham radio? If I have a radio and I talk to a hotspot that's connected to the internet and that links up to another repeater, or another conference thing, it's like, why don't you just not use a radio? Well, you're still using a radio, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Like eight it's months not- ago. Yeah. I, I believe the RF part is the key as well. And I think, I think, that part of it, well, well, I sort of agree with Bill that it's not technically real radio. There is RF involved, and I, I feel like it's a gateway into other things like HF adventures and moon bounce and, mm-hmm. and all in the other stuff too. Um, it's funny because like I think eight months ago or maybe a year and a half ago or something like that, it's like I didn't even know what Pi Star was. And then we sort of got into it, and now I have four hotspots running all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Gateway drug. Like you said, and it's it, it, like I said, it's the spirit of the the spirit of ham radio is really what drives like you know what really matters here. 
Yeah, anything that increases activity, I'm I'm all yeah. for. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I just pick on it because I can. Because <laughs> I've reached the age where I can be that curmudgeon guy, you know. I just like ah, that's, that's not real ham radio. I guess they I'm tried to sell us D Star back in the early 2000s, and I didn't buy that back then either. <laughs> oh yeah, and and was- uh, just uh, just as an aside, I'm going to put this out there while you guys talk about what you're talking about. I saw Rich K0EB typing in the chat, so he's listening to this. So. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll get the trucker experience in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Sterling. He must be talking, uh, writing a novel because I've been seeing type for a while. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the I, I know from Yark there's a there's a whole DMR, like, talk group thing. and, uh, and what, they, What's Yark? Yark, Young Amateurs Radio Club. Yeah, that's what that's what you're supposed to be talking about. So. Yeah, so I don't I don't have an agenda, so I'll just keep riffing on. But like, what are, what are the actual things that I do? Um, the first thing that I did goes back to the AWRL Youth Editor position, and that was just like um, somebody at the AWRL, Christine Keen, was the editor. K1SFA at the time, and uh, and she and a few others reached out to me. I think because of my I I wrote like newsletters for triple e and i had the youtube channel and so like kind of word kind of got out and and that sort of thing and, and maybe it was i can't remember if it was before or after i, I went to hamvention for the first time i think it was after um but anyway they were like hey do you want to write an article we'll send you 65 dollars if you write a thousand words for our web column and we we're like i'm like uh sure <laughs> and i did that for like two or three years and almost every one of those articles um fun fact is a uh procrastinated like stress written like overnight kind of oh crap i have to do this right now okay send and and it somehow turned out to be pretty good but the problem was like the they only had those articles on the web the readership was very low um just because it it was kind of buried and and it wouldn't wouldn't really pop up onto the top um of the AWR front page, except for when the article was actually released. But that's also in the same feed as like all of the ham radio news in the world. So they, um, they really didn't get seen a lot. So I try to do a little bit of like, Hey, what read my articles and this and that. And I, I would get like a few emails here and there just saying like, Hey, how do I get kids involved in ham radio? And I, I still can't answer that question. Honestly, <laughs> it's so it's, it's very challenging, but I'll kind of go into that in, in to some depth. This is a deep dive after all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that's what we're here for. Um, we didn't talk about. You mentioned the fact that you are the new IARU Region Two liaison, yeah. but you didn't actually. I don't think describe what that actually does. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, <laughs> we're is, not there yet. This oh. is a chronology, but I'll I'll uh, <sighs> I'll spare the people who you know don't want to listen to me ramble for three hours. But the IARU Region Two um, Executive Committee. I guess voted. Um, they really just kind of um, got on a conference call and said, "Hey, we should get this guy on and do stuff." Um, and they were actually thinking about this back when the president of the IRU, Tim Ellum, uh, VE something something, um, he put out this thing called the Inflection Point of Ham Radio and saying uh, we need to focus on young people, youth, and that sort of thing. Um, even more, basically replicate what Yoda youth or youngsters on the air rather. And there's a youth on the air, but I'll get into that has done in Region 1. IRE Region 1 is Europe and Africa. Region 2 is the Americas. Region 3 is Asia and Oceania, if uh, you didn't know that. And so Region 2 decided um, 
they were deliberating and saying like we should get uh, this N zero SSC guy to let to to help us push us along and and that's what created the they wanted to create like a youth coordinator they basically wanted me to have the IRU's backing to do programs and projects and and put out plans and 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 activities to try to. Sp- uh, spice up the um, amateur radio community for young people, and and that's essentially what I do. Um, I basically just run around with the Zoom account, and the idea is that right now the plan I have is just creating these small, localized, culturally uh, similar groups that have like common language, common interests, that sort of thing, kind of like little biker gangs, I guess you you'd think, but but of young people, generally between the ages of say like i don't know 13 and 26 or 30 or so and and it kind of it just depends on like where it is geographically and and who it is dealing with and and the real challenge especially is latin america where i don't have a clue what's going on in the ham radio world for you as as young people go <clears throat> Um, but in Americas, we have a couple of programs like Young Amateurs Radio Club, Illinois Young Hams. There's a few other spinoffs of YARC. Um, YARC Young Amateurs Radio Club was started back in, yeah, I think, 2017 or 2018 um, when uh, a guy posted on Reddit, basically created a Discord server for young hams on Long Island, New York. And I messaged him or replied back in a comment saying, hey, why not just all ham- young hams? Because there's no Discord server for young hams. And he was like, okay. And boom, like thousand people, a uh, thousand young people are in that server, which has started to spin off into like other regional groups, which have been working really, really well. And so I'm using that strategy and trying to replicate it throughout the entire IRU region too, so that eventually in the future, we have all these little groups, these little pockets of activity of, of young hams who can meet face to face or, you know, after COVID um, and eventually be able to have a few of the leaders kind of bubble up and be able to go to like uh, big Yoda camps, um, which is exactly what they do over in Region 1. Youth or Youngsters on the Air started way back in 2007 or 8 or 9 or so. It's been going on for a long time, and essentially what they do is they host a camp. Uh, every year they have about 100 to, to 150 or so. I think it, the camp I went was 110 in Austria. And they pick a, they pick a member society. Basically, a member society submit bids to, to host this camp. And the 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 uh, working group, the youth working group, picks uh, the best one. They send all the kids there. They have a week long, literally just summer camp of of ham radio activities, workshops, um, lectures, um, things like that are ham radio adjacent. So, for example, I went to the Austria camp in 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 t- t- 2016, and we went to an ice cave, like in a just in the side of a mountain, and the ham radio aspect of that was we all brought ham radios into the ice cave and, and found out how hard it is to communicate in a cave. And we learned about cave radio and rescue communications and that sort of thing. We also did a soda. We, we hiked up to a mountain, uh, got on a ski lift and hiked up the rest of the way to do a soda summit activation on literally every band mode. Cause there's 110 people with like 110 ham radios, DMR. And we had 5.8 gig. We had HF, like three, four people had HF stations. Uh, so it was, it was a crazy hoot of like intermodulation distortion and all that stuff. <laughs> um, and, uh, we, we got some lectures from an LTE engineer, a couple other engineers. We, we used Hamnet, which is their massive ham radio, um, wireless network. That's really works in the Alps because you have just mountains all over the place. And, and there's just so many users of it in, in Europe. And, uh, and, 
that was basically it. It was seven days of, of just, you know, you know, we partied at night. We had like little raves. We had this cultural night where we'd share like drink and food and, um, um, everyone dressed up like in in traditional clothing so i wore a shirt that said i love chicago with a deep dish pizza on it and (laughs) sam rose kc2lrc was my partner who uh, came with me he had basically was wearing an american flag so that's our natural you know garb (laughs) Are, are you from st louis originally no, I'm. I was born in Arkansas and moved around and ended up in uh, Warrenton, Missouri, for uh, a while. Well, the only um, reason I was asking is because St. Louis has its own style of pizza, and if you're mm-hmm. defector and and wearing a <laughs> Chicago deep dish T-shirt, well, I, yeah, you can't get into emos like the the. <laughs> I love emos. Don't get me wrong, but like if you if you mention like St. Louis style pizza, it'll it'll start a civil war, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. But I also love deep dish pizza, and more people in Europe know about Chicago and pizza and, and all that stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah Russ, Russ is not sure. a big fan of emos either. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a much bigger fan of Chicago deep dish. Yep, give me uh, give me uh, Lou Malnati's any day. Well, you're a New Englander, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Boston pizza is the best pizza ever, and no, no one's ever heard of it. No, because you pick it up and. It just runs. The grease runs out of like Boston water. Boston pizza is like it's like New York style, but better. Yeah, the grease <laughs> runs out of it like you've turned on a faucet. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead. So, so, oh, and by the way, I'm just yeah. I'm going to start calling I A R U Yaru because I'm so that is like the hardest to pronounce acronym in the entire universe. Huh. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just, it's Yaru from now on. Yaru. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, or, yeah it, and it all runs together like, yeah. So, I love it. Um, so Yota, the youngsters on the air, they 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 were super. They have been super successful, and right now because of COVID, they have like literally no camps. And I guess I forgot to mention they have have been so successful that they now have sub regional camps. So member societies, which are essentially countries, um, uh, they I, <laughs> I can't figure out how to say it. Um, they uh, they have member societies instead of countries because sometimes multiple countries or entities can can combine into like a single member society. But in general, it's just uh, the different countries. Um, they each have their own little summer camps or, or winter camps, what have you. They also have a youth contesting program where they will take the big stations like uh, 403A and, and DP6T and, and, and those like massive contest stations you hear on every single contest, um, you know, night and day. And they'll bring in like two or three young people to staff that contestation for for the whole contest uh which is cool and then uh a couple other programs right now they're online so uh they're doing like online sessions and and doing brainstorming and that sort of stuff so covid really put a damper on all the in-person activities but you know it's it is what it is but essentially what i'm trying to do my mission in in this part of my life is to try to replicate that over here and that's the whole reason why i went in 2016 is is to kind of understand why are they, how are they having so much success? The number of young people in Europe and, and Africa in, in ham radio has been really skyrocketing because of that. And so the IRU and a couple of the groups like YASMI, uh, which is like a, basically a, a fundraising board. They, they have a lot of money they give out to, they give out grants to, um, uh, de expeditions and, and young people and that sort of thing. So they paid for my plane ticket and, 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 Tra- transportation and all that stuff to to get me to go over there because they want they have this Yasmi yeah, has a, the, their mission of of trying to keep ham radio going as much as everyone else so um, thanks to them for for that and all their their support right 
And uh, so, yeah, now I'm here trying to replicate that. And so we have youth in the air, and we only call it youth on the air instead of youngsters to, A, delineate it a little bit, and B, because youngsters is in, in, in American parlance is, I don't know, a different connotation than, than you have in, in Europe. Uh, when you have English as a second language for a lot of these, a lot of Europeans, youngsters just seems like what you call uh, young people. I think that's like the proper English term for a young person is a youngster. But over here, you call a person a youngster that's like, what are you calling me, a kid or something? You know, (laughs) if you say youth on the air, then that's more of a and maybe I've I've had somebody told me like, well, that that gives me a connotation of like troubled youth and like con juvie or something and i'm just like, ah, well <laughs> well we don't call it, it juvies on the air right that would be yeah <laughs> no um because there's already a j there's jamboree on the air you can't have can't yeah take exactly the, to joda <clears throat> oh you did it you invoked it uh, i got to. <laughs> oh I'll pull on my k2bsa hat here. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah i can i could definitely uh i'm with you on all that i mean obviously we do uh we do jamboree on the air every year, and we do get lots and lots of kids involved yep. in the U.S. where they get on the radio in some form or another, whether that be DMR, you know, D-Star, HF, what, Echolink. <laughs> <laughs> Especially lately, it's been a lot of Echolink and digital modes just because of, uh, you know, band conditions haven't been the greatest. Uh, this year was a little bit better, but the, the COVID, of course, impacted that. Um, the greatest, the greatest satisfaction is seeing, seeing all the kids that come through the, the demonstration station at the uh, National Jamboree mm-hmm. and the World Jamboree because we get like you know about three thousand plus kids that'll actually come through the booth and work a radio. That is just crazy. There's no conversation about youth and ham radio without talking about jamboree on the air and scouting because if there's anything that is like the, the the best or I guess that is giving ham radio the biggest boost in terms of youth and ham radio, it's it's scouting because you got radio merit badge, you got Joda, you got. Uh, the, the everything that you do, um, your your uh, Joda hat, so your K K two BSA hat or K four BSA K something BSA K two, yeah. So and it's it's really fun and like even this uh, this last time when we had uh, we had the World Scout Jamboree, um, seeing the uh, the the females and the males youth uh, involved in radio. Mm. You know, this is the first time that the BSA had had females that were actually eligible to uh, to be on there because they just you know, opened it up to females. F- females? That's like youngsters. I yeah, mean. young females, yeah. <laughs> young but you call them women. <laughs> yeah, and we were lucky enough this past uh, in 2019 to have the na- the World Jamboree here in the U.S., so we got a kind of a firsthand look at at the the demographics, and and I could tell you there was probably fifty five percent females attending it, you know, wow. internationally, and uh, and they loved the radio. It was uh-huh. it was it was just a blast. Yeah, um, and I noticed the same thing in Europe too. There's there's a lot higher percentage of of girls, you know, in in Yoda, and and just like kind of all over the place than there is over here. Yeah. So uh, you guys. Uh, so you're involved with Neil and stuff like that, right? On the yeah. Yoda stuff. So, so you guys had a camp plan for this year, of course, and yep. it got canceled, postponed, postponed <laughs> until what yeah. next year? Until next year, and then you know it, it'll we'll go on from there. If if it gets canceled, if COVID's still wrecking havoc in in 2021, summer 2021, uh, next year, then then we probably will have to push it again. But yeah, by that time, hopefully, vaccines and 
people wearing masks and immunity and all that stuff will take place. Who knows? Oh, if Missouri has anything to say about it, no one's wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And, and, and man, I have to, I have to shout out to Neil because like uh, he had me on Ham Talk Live one night and, and I had this idea in my head for years. For three years, I was like proposing to the AWRL and to the IRAU and all these big hot shots in ham radio thinking like, the only way I can get this done is if I have like a backing of like one of the biggest ham radio clubs or, or organizations out there. And they just never worked because AWRL had all their drama. IRU was dealing with their own stuff. And, and eventually, you know, I, in fact, we were, we actually were going to deliver a proposal in person to the board of AWRL to talk about this camp and all this stuff we've done to like figure it out and, and, you know, reduce liability and, and make it fun for young people. And, and they, invited us but then like a couple weeks before they uninvited us because uh tom uh ny2rf who was the ceo he just left the awrl he he retired i guess from this from awrl and so the board was like oh crap and just kind of like um cleaned the agenda including us so like we never got our 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 word in edgewise so eventually Neil comes around, puts me on Ham Talk Live, and and just asks me outright, "What do you need to to do this?" And I was like, "I need help. Like, I need somebody who can actually do this because I'm I'm a thinker. I'm a not a really good doer. I, ha- I come up with a good plan and, and like good uh, uh, ideas, but like I have so many of these ideas that I just love to like kind of kind of uh, flick until like it just falls down the hill through somebody else's like." constant uh pushing and and you know uh, and and working on it basically and and neil was that guy he said okay i'll do it basically and for like another year he planned out the entire event um basically got the hotel got um, reservations for king's island amusement park got reservations for dave and busters got insurance background checks volunteers sponsors uh go fund me for like you know uh, paying for everyone's um transport or not transportation pay for everyone's like uh food and lodging but not transportation except for a few cases um and and really like did like 99 percent of the work and so it would it would not be a thing without neil as well as joycelyn and and all the people over at the voa museum so big shout out to him and uh, and the team there but now that has kind of been figured out i guess you could say and so here we go on to my next uh, adventure which is the ira region to uh, youth liaison um <laughs> which i which i already described it's basically trying to recreate more of that regional sub-regional yoda type uh, small groups that can um we can all like basically meet up together and and the, the big part biggest part of that is really understanding especially in latin america which is every point south of the us border so mexico all the way down to you know chile and argentina uh to figure out what the heartbeat what the pulse of of youth and ham radio is in 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 south america and and central and mexico um because right now I have no idea. And I hablo un poco, un mucho poco español y, y no portuguese. Uh, so I'm t- trying to work on, on like the language barrier. Um, but at the same time, there's a, there's a huge gap in like the socioeconomic status of youngsters, youngsters, young people, uh, <laughs> in South America because like a lot of them just don't even have internet access. It's, 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 it's better than what they have in, in Africa quite a bit, but, uh, um, or what's going on in Africa, I, I suppose, and in, in most of like the central part of Africa. 
but uh, it's still like you know, it's it's a it's a just totally different universe in 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 Latin America all over the place. So a young person might not have the internet, so they might not be able to get them on Echo Link. You might not get them on a Zoom chat. So how do we reach those those people, those young people? How do we bring ham radio down there? And so because of COVID, you know, it really stuck a knife in. Um, you know, my plans to actually try to go down to South America with ham radio and do some like demonstrations and, and work with like the local, um, radio societies, like, um, you know, in the member society, because most of, most of the South African or South American countries have, uh, are member societies with the IRU, much like the ARRL is a member society of the IRU here in region two. Um, and a few of them have had some pushes for youth, but very little. And, and what, from what I've seen they they just haven't put it out into the, to the World Wide web. So it's very hard to tell what's going on. And, and since the, most of that world speaks Spanish and Portuguese, it's like a completely different universe in terms of the internet. Cause I'm not searching for, um, ham radio. I have to search for, um, radio amateur, something, something, something. And I think it's even more crazy in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the uh the word i think it's just radio amateur like the, the ham radio is just like radio amateur in all one word in spanish but uh i could be wrong um and uh so that's kind of the mission the goal is to to get more young people into ham radio obviously but to kind of get a better feel of the latin america side of things because I'm kind of straying away from from the u.s and canada because they they already kind of got it figured out we have yark um which I'm currently the president of, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened, but uh, they just voted me in, and I haven't really done much for Yark, and and that's a bad thing. I, I wish I had more time to do more stuff with them, but um, um, yeah, that, that's just the thing. But there is a bunch of people who are like mods and admins, and we did have uh, for a while a lot of like big activities coming through Yark, and Yark kind of was the is the main kind of young amateur radio club for. Basically, the Irie region too, but also the world. It's the biggest one on Discord, at least. I'll put it that way. But it's mostly American focused, uh, U.S. focused, and you know English speaking, obviously. Um, and then that spun off into a couple of state and regional groups. So, and then we have Yoda here in the U.S. and and it's mostly U.S. focused because it's just easier to get uh, young people to travel domestically, and and dealing with international travel was a really challenge and all that stuff. So. I want to have more of these camps all over the place uh, in in region uh, in region two, and that's I don't know that's it in a nutshell. I, I kind of like ramble and and when I I'm, I'm a much better writer, hence I have a blog and and all that stuff. So, but hopefully that's some kind of coherent thing on uh, what we're trying to do for young people in ham radio. It's obviously not like I'm I could go on about like how we're actually going to do that, like what kind of workshops and what kind of like activities and how do you actually get a young person on the air and interested versus all these other distractions and that's sort of thing that is like very hard to answer and i could go on and you know we we could really pontificate for forever on on a topic like that uh, yeah i i suppose the, the the new position also gives you maybe a little bit more reach which mm-hmm. is probably important for your overall mission yeah uh, the, be, being able to come in as that higher level you know the region <laughs> <laughs> the regional level, being able to to make those contacts and and, and right. cold, cold calls per se. Yeah, the uh, the president of Region Two, like we we they all realize that I have this big network of of people that I've met over the years through you know starting with the AWRL youth editorship. Um, you know, I've gotten to meet a lot a lot of hams who are kind of high up and and are able to do things like 
you know, create a Yoda camp out of thin air or um, throw some money at some some kids in South America. That's that's one of the other things is, you know, I can potentially use them as a as a funding resource in the case of, you know, if we want to send a, a, a care package to a, a, a young amateur radio club somewhere in South America, then I have... I have an easy way to say, hey, IRU, I need like $2,000 to send them a 7300 and an antenna and this and that and a tuner and a generator. And, and they'll be like, sure, because uh, it's supporting ham radio youth. And, and you know, that's a that's a big deal. And, and I don't think um, they would have too much problem with that. Um, obviously not, you know, money bags over here, but trying to do strategic things like that and, and, and be able to like help out young people all over the place is, is kind of like... Yeah, it's good to have their backing, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and having a good partner like ICOM America and stuff like that mm-hmm. helps out as well. I mean, they they are tremendous with the with the K2BSA yeah. and the Boy Scouts. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, they uh, were they were Yoda's prime like I guess platinum sponsor, and they were you know bringing us the. We were gonna if 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 camp was this summer, we were gonna have like the 705 like debut through Yoda Camp, but. Uh, Sadly, COVID happened and everyone got a 705 already. <laughs> so it's nice. <not> <laughs> yeah, we were hoping to have the 705 at uh, the next Jamboree, but. <laughs> yep. Oh, well. But, I was uh, like, ah, you know, we had to cancel that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been super supportive. And that's the thing. Like, young people, in my advice to like all the young people out there is like, uh, if you're struggling to like afford equipment, like get out there, like start making like YouTube videos, go to ham fests. You just like will be surprised at how easy it is to just come across very nice gear. Like it's not always like it's not always like some hand-me-down old you know tube radio that smells like cigarette smoke. I've you know like I said, the ham radio club at Triple E ended up with a Flex Five Thousand and a IC uh, One Thousand MP. Like a, things like. 50 pounds of radio right there (laughs) so and and you know a lot of people in york uh because it's a discord i'm able to chat with everyone they're they're just like i went to a ham fest and i'm 15 years old and this guy gave me a box and it had like ten thousand dollars worth of radio equipment in it what do i do like and people on 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 reddit a lot of times are doing that too like trying to figure out what all they have like with these like kits of stuff they've just been handed because hey you're a young kid you you can take this like uh you can you know i went to a ham fest um in when i was living in albuquerque or socorro new mexico when i was working at the vla uh, i went to a ham fest and i was there to actually buy a d-star radio like my first d-star radio because at that point they were you know coming they came down quite a bit and and used value and so i went and i found a uh, id 8800h with like a detachable panel, dual band, D-Star, cool radio. And it was being sold for like $400. And I had my check for $400. And the guy's like, stop writing that. You just take it. It's like, what? Yeah, you're a young kid. You you, you know what to do with it. You, I don't need this, right? You just go and take it. It's like, oh, oh are you sure? Because I can, I, I was planning on buying this radio right, right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I went, I, I saw the radio earlier and I went, you know, got on my phone and researched like the specs of it and come back and be like, yep, that's a good price for it. Cause eBay, you know, he just gave it to me cause I, you know, was young. I didn't have a beard at that time, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and it seems like that, you know, it, it was great. Yeah. Okay, I mean, well, yeah, somebody knows how to be the right time in the right place. Cause yeah, that, that, yeah that happens. <laughs> you just have to send someone else out to get your radios, Russ. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. Because, because I, I bought my first D star. I feel like I'm young now too. Cause I feel, cause I just bought my first D star radio two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you'd yeah, be surprised. I mean, uh, it's it's like I know the the general amateur radio community is the same as that guy. You know, he sees somebody young wanting to get in the hobby, probably doesn't have the four hundred dollars ready to write out a check for, but it, they they know that. And you know, I I look around my own office here. <laughs> <laughs> Tons of stuff. Somebody came yep. looking for a radio. <laughs> they would have one. <laughs> I've been not... known to, to 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 do that. Like I got rid of. I literally have an IC seven forty six or no, I actually, excuse me, my uh, IC seven or FT eight seventeen that the uh, the QRP rig. Yeah. I blew up somehow, and I just like basically said, "Here you go." Like you know, take it. To, to somebody who was like, ask, just ask for it. Like, they just sent me a message and said, you know, hey, you got that 817 working yet? And I was like, no, do you want it? Uh, sure. Okay, <laughs> send me your address. I'm like, cheers. And now I have an IC746 um, that is also fried. It, it has a bad uh, transmit. Receives fine, so I'm probably going to do the same thing with that uh, here shortly. And then I've given away a few antennas. I've given away a couple of, I gave away an aero antenna and, you know, just I have enough junk lying around, you know, and, and right now at this point in my life, I don't really need to, you know, try to get as much money out of like, you know, selling these things, you know, because I'm full full time engineer. Um, so and and it's just giving giving back. So if anybody's out there listening, and you're sitting on a bunch of junk, give it to a kid. They'll really put it to good use. Yeah, I think uh, we just had a tag on the last deep dive from uh, Grid Tracker. And uh, he had a very similar experience, and uh, has basically started a whole new uh, new program for uh, Elmarine Youth. Mm. Uh, giving uh, started off with uh, giving like a small electronic tinkering kit <laughs> to a young <laughs> a youngster, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of graduated from there. So it's re- it's really good. I think it's I think it's starting to take off in in, in various forms all over the place, which is which is just great. Yeah, it's um, awesome. You know, the more, more, yeah, the, the part you talk about that's hard is trying to abstractly think about how to get people involved, like a cold call, like how are you right. going to get this guy that has no interest whatsoever in it, interested in it. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that's, that's the goal. It's right. really, that's impossible. Like basically that's what people ask me, like, because I'm the guy who's, who's supposed to be able to do this, just magically get young people into ham radio. And that's just absolutely not how it works. Like, yeah. And like some people think that they, you know, you need to have, Oh, you got to have uh you know, the computer all set up and then do contacts on the computer, like FTA. Yeah. JC65 and it's like everyone's like digital modes will get kids uh, in the hammer it's like not, not really. why <laughs> it's not how it works. like yes digital modes are interesting to young people but like yeah like you need to do some some like basically what I've always written about in in the youth uh, editor columns is I had this idea of like the young person who is kind of that tinkerer that it just naturally has the knack and and those are the kinds of people that we're always looking after to to get into ham radio just by exposing it to them and so my primary mission isn't actually interfacing with young people um the most i do with young people is like on yark and and stuff with moderation and, and just kind of developing cool programs and and thinking of good ideas but like most of my work really is towards the older generation of hams to improve not only like 
the uh, their friendliness, their openness to young people, just like the awareness. Like, you know, we've been having, for example, like you think of it like a corporate perspective, how we've always had like sexual harassment awareness training and diversity awareness and all that stuff, kind of taking that kind of perspective, but to the general population of hams out there to say we need some youth awareness beyond the scope of just uh, uh, um, scouting because that's kind of like where people most most hams minds goes to young hams scouting you know or mm. you know the other the second half I guess is is just uh, youngsters who whose parents or, or grandparents are, are uh, into ham radio and they just kind of like got the bug from them but uh, the uh, yeah so that's where I put, focus m- most of my time into getting the older generation to fit to to be more aware and of, of how to be more friendly to young people and also to improve ham radio's publicity because there's a huge marketing issue to a huge publicity issue in, in ham radio we're we're so insular that we don't realize like we're not doing internet advertising for for the general public like the best thing i've ever <laughs> the best thing i've seen besides field day field day is okay um, is the billboard that AWR put out that just says radio communications. And it's just like, it makes me <laughs> want to pull my hair out because it's doing nothing. It's just a billboard that says radio communications and the little tiny text of AWRL, Pam Radio, what is ham, you know, and no one's reading that. They're just like, what was that? And, but it's things like, why doesn't AWRL put out like, like spend a whole bunch of money and make a Super Bowl commercial. Like get it out there. Like it does. It, it can be a little tiny spot. To, you know, only a million dollars instead of ten million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there there's enough money in in ham radio, especially in like those fundraising communities, to really like pump out much more uh, of that kind of advertising, marketing, publicity thing. Uh, and not only that, like from the, you know, from the sales perspective, from like actually putting money into it, but just like general people, people in general, like sharing their hobby, like on YouTube with the general public, with, with the world. Um, the reason why I say we're so insular is like we basically keep our ham radio in, in, interests and activities all to ourselves. We bring it to like our ham radio club. We show and tell and doing this and that. And the only time we ever get out there is, is during field day and, and a few other events like Jampery on the air and, 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 and handfuls of like maker fairs and this and that, but mostly field day where we get our time to shine for like 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes for like two minutes on some news channel that who knows who's watching. And, and we'll put up flyers out on the grocery store, like bulletin board and that sort of thing. But really like I've never seen like a horde of people go to a field day site. I've seen like people trickle in and, and go, huh, my, my grandpa did that. That's cool. Uh, can I, can, can I hear with radio or something? You know, and just like, yeah, a lot of people don't think about that when they have yeah. their club field days is that, you know, the whole point of field day is not necessarily the contesting side of it. It's right. it's really, you know, the media side and bringing it out to the public and ensuring that you're you're setting up in a very public place. Yep. You know, even if you might have crappy, you know, band conditions because you decided to set up next to the Cabela's or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, you know, what we always say is, you know, bring ham radio to them. You know, yep. if you bring the ham radio to them, you're already kind of, you know, um, um, you know, fixing that first part. You know, they're not going to come to you. 
the youth are not going to come to you. Yeah. You got to go where they're going to go. Where yeah. are you going to have like a, you know, captured audience? That's why scouting works really well because it's like, you know, we have an audience already. Yeah. And then, so, and and then that, schools is the other side of that too. Yeah. Schools is another one. You know, you just, you know, go do like, uh, they do these, uh, Eris contacts with the, the space station. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are all in schools and stuff like that. And it's really cool, uh, for the schools that actually have them, <laughs> <laughs> which is not very many. It's like, you know, maybe one a month. Uh, that they can actually fit into the schedule between work schedules and conditions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's just not enough to, to get enough footprint out there to, to make it that visible. And that's really the key is, is just getting the visibility out there and, and have them come to you and ask questions. What, what are all these antennas for? What is this for? You know, exactly. And, and then and- making sure that you have the right. PR people, you know, the people yep. that can talk to people, <laughs> not just talk on the radio, but they can actually talk to people yes. in public. Um, and uh, I think that's a that's a where a lot of, uh, you know, smaller clubs and stuff like that maybe kind of kind of fail. You know, they're insular. Like you said, they're just mm-hmm. really tight knit group of people They maybe they have a focus like they're focusing on, uh, you know, Aries or they're focusing on, you know, maybe contesting Um but, uh, you know, most clubs do, do field day and that's such a great opportunity to get out in the public and, you know, set up in a square, yep, <laughs> you know, exactly. somewhere in a park and stuff like that. Uh, I've even run Jamboree on the air in a random park in town, you know, just uh, pick a park. It's like, I'm going to go there. I'll go ahead and rent a, you know, gazebo. So I have, you know, some coverage. <laughs> yep. And it, I mean, it's just in, incredible how I'll, I'll just go up into a park and, and set up a, a, a pole and, and do some poda. It's incredible how many people come up and be like, what are you doing? Hey, what's Absolutely. that? And, and not like, they're not like Karen's who are like, are you radiating me? They're like people who are actually <laughs> somewhat interested and they might know what you do. Is that CB radio? No, like, that's a, that's a good opportunity for you to get off your radio, turn around and talk to this person and introduce this, this hobby. And that's one of the really hard things. It's like what somebody asks you, what is ham radio? Oh my gosh, that's a that's a whole can of worms. How can <laughs> it's we anything and that? everything? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, just b- basically saying like I'm uh, on a radio that can contact anybody pretty much in the USA. Um, just working other stations who are also have a similar setup, trying to contact people who are in parks. And I'm here in a park. We're activating this park on the air. Uh, and they say, oh, is that like broadcasting? Is this like an FM radio? It's like, no, two-way to another person, you know. And, and just kind of like I, I need to like do more demonstrations on YouTube of like actually how to explain ham radio because this kind of like fits into the whole thing. But uh, anyway, yeah, kind of big picture, publicity, publicity publicity super hard to say uh is a huge deal and that would help ham radio improve its age over all ages or improve its numbers over all ages not just young people um but especially those young people because we really got to think about like can we make ham radio that thing that it used to be where like like um uh, Russ was saying people in the war times got into engineering and, and they became like uh, radio. Op- they were radio operators back in the war. But then when the war was over, they got into industry as radio technicians and engineers and Bell Labs, if you will. Can can ham radio. Can we do that again? Like, it'd be cool, um, especially because IoT is like trying to be a thing. And imagine, like you said, um, Bill, with. Um, getting ham radio to people, what if we can get them to all people and make this IOT thing kind of a ham radio thing? I don't know. It's just kind of like probably something that will never happen. But think of like weather <laughs> stations, APRS. Bunches of weather stations are still running off of APRS, and, and people really don't think about it. But what 
what can we do to bring like a ham radio thing um, or maybe even just as hams come up with a new technology that can be used by the general public and 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 put put that out on on flyers and bulletin boards everywhere and and whatnot so these are kind of like the ideas i I come up with and and try to like you know push (laughs) i suppose (laughs) all right let's uh let's circle back to uh to what you got uh, going on right now so you have this uh, workshop series going on on uh, youtube Mm -hmm. it's like i think a six-part series you're up to part four already yeah so i was i actually did this already with um the they don't have a name they they actually call them the rack pack right now the rat pack but before they they were just kind of this this organiz- loosely uh, loose organization of AWRL section management so field organization ran by K7REX and he had me on uh to do a little talk about youth and ham radio not unlike this and um he said can you do another talk and I was like sure and then I was like okay can you do another and you're just like, sure. And so I made a series out of it and I'm kind of growing it and, and expanding it so we can, I can make something that's a little more, you know, powerful, punctual, you know, instead of just, it was a Zoom call basically to a bunch of AWRL um, leadership, uh, not directors, but field organizations. So like Aries leaders, section managers, assistant section managers, they even have section youth coordinators. So uh, me just spilling my ideas out to that kind of crew. And, and that was just kind of like the impetus to, 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 to create like this series it's not very like my youtube like i mentioned earlier is not very highly watched but i mean at least a few you know we get a few hundred views on each of the videos and and people like you are catching it uh you're um uh finding it and and maybe it'll help somebody out there and maybe they'll help the the older generation be able to see because even my demographics are still you know on the older side because we're all hams right (laughs) Um, (laughs) so who's the actual audience for the uh, youth workshop series it's uh, it's the older people, like not not old people, but just the general kind of anybody from maybe age fifty to age seventy, or maybe forty to seventy, who are in a position that you know maybe they're a leader at the radio club, or or could be a leader, um, or have been into ham radio a lot, and just have like some kind of clout that can take these ideas of of becoming more friendly to young people to their radio clubs and share it and spread it and that sort of thing. And maybe even just like kind of plant a seed in in the back of their mind that just says, you know, we need to get more young people involved in ham radio. Here's some ideas that might interest them that we can take to the school or we can run a high altitude balloon thing and and invite, uh, you know, a, a youth academy or something like that. Um just just to come up with ideas. So and and I'm not targeting specifically not targeting young people um because first of all I have very few young people that watch my YouTube channel because <laughs> it's just ham radio. It's just what ham radio is. It's it's kind of interesting. And and second of all, that's I think there's a lot of people who do a really good job of of getting young people and youngish people, I guess, young adults into ham radio, you know, ham radio crash course might be, uh, one of the, one of the better ones out there. Cause he has like a hundred thousand subscribers and, and a huge base of, 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 of younger amateur radio operators that follow him around. Um, and I, and I'm bad at making videos. I just kind of like spit stuff together and, and, you know, try to do stuff, but the live streams, there's a, there's an opportunity there, I guess. So, yeah, so yeah, and that, it'd be great question. for for a club president or club leadership yeah. that maybe has a an a, a grain membership, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or they're looking at uh, something to infuse a little life into the organization. Um, it would be a a wealth of uh, information that you present through the series. 
right. that can help them give them tools and, and strategies to help uh, attract um, younger that actually, membership and stuff. That actually gives me an idea for the next workshop series. Because the reason why I didn't do one this Wednesday or yesterday is because I didn't have any. <laughs> I I. I met my, uh, I, I met the end of my curriculum, I guess, because I only made, I made, um, I had six episodes or six, six weeks of, of it in, um, in the, uh, the, the Rat Pack kind of Zoom chats with the AWRL leadership. Mm-hmm. But those, but I kind of condensed them in, into the workshop series on YouTube so I could get more into like just a me talking head kind of video with, uh, with, you know, waving arms and such um <laughs> in, in, a, in about an hour hours worth of time so now i i really i think i'm going to do what you were saying and actually create a video that's d- dedicated to clubs to say a shout out to clubs saying here's what you can do to get more people not just young people but more people in general into your club and and talk about publicity and all that stuff so yeah yeah, yeah. It, would, it would definitely be good and thanks for that obviously uh <laughs> Yeah, everyone listening here as well can help uh, share that and propagate it to their local clubs. And even if you're not a member, you probably have email addresses for people. <laughs> and uh, uh, get that out as soon as you uh, you get that released. Uh, and hopefully that'll spark their interest in uh, in finding more information on, on, on doing this uh, right and moving forward i know i the local club here does they they try to do quite a bit I, like they get involved in like the science fairs and stuff like that mm-hmm. i've had my radios there doing demonstrations and stuff like that um but yeah it, it's like there there could be more there could always be more yeah and, one of my one of my big things i've been writing about so we've been through the maker fair thing like that's kind of a dead horse now and i don't know if how many maker fairs there are especially since make magazine is like went under uh there's a few around but i went to one in 2000 and i don't know it, it reminded me when whenever you talked about putting the field day station up to next to cabela's yeah. we put a field day station next to a tesla coil band like architect <laughs> we were running 40 meters and, and we had to turn the radios completely off because you could hear <laughs> while the architect band was playing like rock music over a Tesla coil, like over a 12 foot, two 12 foot Tesla coils with like 20 feet of like lightning coming out of them. So it was, it was fun. We had like a, you know, a little uh, table out there with ham radio and big banners and all that stuff with the, it was in Kansas city actually. And so we got a lot of people go through that. But as of now, Maker Fairs have been kind of like dead, I think. But here's my pitch is, well, Ham Radio has a lot of software. Here we are at Linux and the Ham Shack. There's a big software side of, of the whole hobby, like, you know, everything from software-defined radio to, like, logging programs. Um, why don't we have hackathons or go to hacker cons like we already no, DEFCON has like the whole ham radio sub sub community and or ham radio village, but mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch more out there, and I think there's a lot of uncharted territory that hams can that we hams can get into in terms of hackathons, hacker cons, um, um, and and the like there. So yeah, and I was even at uh, uh, Northwest uh, Linux Fest Northwest um, last year, I think it was. Yeah, last year, and there was a presentation on SDR. Uh, the guy was doing, uh, ADSB stuff, uh, you know, tracking airplanes and stuff like that, uh, with his, uh, SDR and he kind of did a whole presentation on it and the guy wasn't even a ham. 
yeah. <laughs> and those, I was like, it's oh, those wow. Radio adjacent things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's such a good connection there. And, uh, obviously I ran into, you know, multiple hams because there's a lot of hams also in the Linux community. Um, so that was, that was a good time. But yeah, you could find these little, little pockets of interest in just about any technical field, which is, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, going back to like the science fairs and stuff, most school districts still have science fairs. It's very common. Right. Right. And that's a great opportunity for a local club to get involved in being part of it, even if it's just having a booth, because they almost always have booths of, you know, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. And you definitely can get ham radio in there. And in fact, I even convinced my oldest son when he did his science fair project to build an antenna. So, <laughs> so he built yeah. a, a fractal uh, two meter quad. That was one of his, oh, wow. uh, one of his projects and actually worked very well. I was quite, quite surprised. It was like a three element, uh, two meter, uh, fractal quad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a heck of an antenna. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it looks oh. really goofy. I still have it here somewhere in the garage, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just like a cool little thing. And he had, you know, a lot of people ask questions and stuff like that. And, um, just stuff like that just kind of sparks people's interest. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's really all you're trying to do is plant yeah. those seeds and plant the hopefully, seeds. hopefully something grows out of it. Precisely. Cause at the end of the day, like what we need to do as hams is just get more seeds out there. And again, if we're not doing that, we're not going to get an influx of hams. And, and what we are going to get is an influx of, of preppers because in their own community, they're sharing the, the knowledge of like, you can get a Bay of Fing for $25 and basically set for your communications plan. Um, because prepping is a huge thing with everything that's going on in the world. And, and again, not saying it's a bad thing, but like those, uh, who do get a ham radio, like a Bay of Fing or something and either do or don't get licensed, but more or less don't get on the air. They just, they're not really helping our case, I guess, especially when it comes to, you know, what is ham radio? Is it this technical advocacy hobby with, you know, recreation of the wireless spectrum and, and whatever Wikipedia says is what ham radio is? Or is it, you know, people who are prepared survivalists, preppers, um, who just have a radio for backup communications, you know, in case stuff hits the fan? If it's the latter case, the FCC is going to sell our spectrum off in, in, in a heartbeat because that doesn't really help anybody except themselves. Um, it, it might, I guess you could make a, a case for having this band available for emergency use for the large population and that helps everyone. But ham radio was fast, was fashioned back whenever because it has a, like an actual tangible, um, what what is the word I'm thinking of? It's just like it has a thing that it does for the general pop, pop, pop public, um, for for people, for mankind. Ham radio operators created like communications as we know it today, the internet, cell phones, and so that's why FCC was like, we need to keep ham radio here because that's like what we have to you know these people we have to think for actual communications along with the emergency communicate like the widespread disaster kind of relief and um not just preparedness but like relief side uh, of of that coin as well and going into the future like we no longer do that as hams if we're not you know being technical advocates and and still pushing the the edge the state of the art so we really might have to worry about more 
more of the trying to auction off a lot more of our spectrum, not just three gigahertz, but goodbye 1.2, goodbye 900, goodbye this, goodbye that, and just have to deal with shared or unshared or whatever. And then, you know, everyone's stuck on 40, uh, not 40 meters, but the 440 megahertz or two meters and, and that sort of, and even two meters is being, been getting a flack in, in France, you know, people trying to sell that for, to the aviation community. It's like, yeah, guys, look up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, that's, so that's kind of, kind of my, I guess, agenda you could say is, is, uh, is we need to, I don't want to say it, but I, but I keep saying it is make ham radio great again. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, every every station that gets set up is part of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So every single, even even a Beofeng is part of the infrastructure of the network that Ham Radio provides and can be used should there be a need for it to provide something. So the more people, obviously, that we can get on, the larger the infrastructure grows. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so and, and the more people are practiced, you know. Yeah, exactly. Can actually use it. So when are we going to get another episode of you and Marty, huh? <laughs> oh, man. He and I, like, we'll talk on Facebook every so often saying, hey, are we going to record an episode today? And like, yeah, sure. And then push comes us up. And, like, we never get around to it because he's off at college doing Marty things. And, and I'm off doing Sterling things. And and I really want to. I keep <laughs> writing down show ideas, like in a in a notes thing I have, um, and it's gotten really long. And and some of the stuff I just end up blogging, and even my blog's been like really slow because um, I've been spending more of my time. Like I'm I'm a lot more busy at work, which is kind of kind of a blessing, I guess, in in terms of COVID. Um, doing a, almost like needing overtime right <laughs> but uh i was at one point at work i was like so bored i had plenty of time to just blog right <laughs> but now it's you know i i've got to you know um optimize my evenings and yeah. weekends and my wife and i are jet setters before covid um so we were always at disney world or at some country or mexico or on a beach or in the mountains or skiing or something you know because because we're you know yuppies like that she's also an engineer and, and and but now with covid hit now we're just camping weekends and and just sitting around trying to upgrade the house so i have a lot more time to like do these like little youtube things and so i don't know you might you might just be the 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 camel that broke the the straw that camel the needle that what's the term <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, kind of sound like joe biden it's, there i mean it, yeah, it's, no, it's fumble around it's until you get late. to the answer <laughs> <laughs> the straw that broke the camel get me to 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 yeah to, to do that again so i really like the podcast like format i i love listening to podcasts I've been getting on a lot of podcasts that, you know, like this. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I talked with uh, Hamdom Thoughts, Dennis AD6DM. Um, he's just started a, a podcast kind of riffing off of Random Thoughts mm-hmm. and um, talking with Hams kind of with a QSO Today style, but more more of the general public rather than like I think QSO Today really focuses on the, the, the big luminaries who, you know, almost everyone knows about and have had has had these huge stories, long storied history in ham radio going back to like novice in 50s and boat anchors and drake s lines and all that stuff so i've also had another idea for a podcast called and, and it's 
I think I still have the domain. Hopefully I do. But called the Noisy Key, where it's just, it's it's kind of like QSO today. It's kind of like Handum Thoughts, but it's with all young people, trying to get all of the young people involved who are involved with Ham Radio on a podcast to talk about what they do and, and all that stuff. So That'd be cool. Um, I would like to try to do that. But again, I have, you know... I've, I'm I'm uh, I'm pulling 110 uh, percent right now with uh, the liaison position and Yoda. And <laughs> well, maybe Yard. you can use the uh, the region two position to put out a region two podcast. Yeah, you're right. I could. You could kind of use their I footprint to uh, be your distribution network, and then all That's of a sudden right. you have a larger voice. You're giving me a lot of ideas. <laughs> Thanks for introducing me to five new podcasts some of which exist and some of which don't that i'll, I'll still not have a chance to listen to so i appreciate all of that <laughs> no i actually i actually listened to you on handum the uh the other day so that I that i'm gonna pick up bill and i were talking about that earlier today when we were talking about the show tonight uh he mentioned to me the the handum thoughts uh podcast and i'm definitely gonna pick that one up and listen to it i, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because my time is short kind of like everybody else's these days um but that one sounds really interesting. So yeah, I I always listen whenever I'm lawn, doing laundry or chores, or and I drive to work. You know, twenty minutes every day, twenty five minutes. So it gives me a lot of time. And you still I, I, you I, still up at Boeing or? Yep. So. That's uh, I've, I've off been, the off the west side of one seventy up there. Yep. Yep. Right there, right next to the airport. <laughs> yep. And um, I also got a dog too, so now I have to walk the dog. So that's another opportunity that I have to uh, to listen to podcasts and. I don't we know what I was don't, doing. We don't walk our dogs. We just let them run wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I did that, man, I'd probably have a dog for a couple couple days and then find it on the road somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you graduate out of the apartment there, you'll... Uh, you'll... Oh, I, I got a house now. Oh, you got a house now? Ooh. Oh, yeah. but, so what, I mean, what part of the... I mean, there, there's like 60 million little boroughs outside of St. Mm-hmm. Louis, but which one... If you don't mind saying, I mean, sure. you can. Tower keep Grove your... South is uh, no, okay. my PO box is in the Tower Grove South uh, um, uh, post office. So my my ham radio calls on. I I tried to do some privacy to when I when I moved from the apartment out to this house. Uh, I changed my name and I and I moved kind of at the same time because I got married and I and I took my wife's name, uh, man from Nay Coffee, um, just because I like it better sterling man versus sterling coffee and 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 you know no no hate to my family they they are now appreciative but you know they, <laughs> they didn't like it at first but they're fine now and uh but so now it's kind of hard to find out where i live and i want to try to keep it like that as long as i possibly can and and hopefully that isn't a call to come and dox me but <laughs> so you you're, so you're not it. far from uh botanical garden then no, I'm I'm within uh, walking distance for sure. Um, the, I'm on the south side of the park in Tower Grove South, and and the botanical garden is like on the north side of of the park, like at Ars no at Magnolia and whatever that Truman or something. Yeah, yeah. So very close, and that's um, really nice. Like I, I we got lucky with this house, and I have no ham radios antennas on it yet because the city owns the tree in the front yard, which would be a really good spot to put a 110 foot dipole like random wire uh, <laughs> uh, doublet that would be perfect for 80 meters but since the city owns it and they have a rule that says no antennas in the trees it's almost like an hoa kind of but we don't have an hoa i can put up a vertical antenna as tall as i want it as long as i, I think i need a permit for it probably or something um but i do want, i'm about to put an antenna on my chimney but my chimney's falling apart because the house is 100 <laughs> years old i made a video on that and yeah so so are you in one of those are you in like an arts and craftsy or are you in a brownstone kind of thing 
Brown? What? Uh, what? <laughs> oh, wow. No. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a, that's a New York to... thing. It's basically like row houses, uh, stuff oh, like that. Yeah, but, no, it's a, what do you call it? A, uh, a two-story cottage or a, not a Yeah, so more of an arts yeah. and crafty kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's a it's a detached, I guess. It's, you know, we have a small yard. It's not big enough for Percy to run around in, but uh, our dog, but uh, big enough for him to, I guess. I, I, I'm, I love some of the architecture in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. I mean, it's a, it parts of it are beautiful. I mean, yeah. for sure. So. Yeah, this this neighborhood is is definitely one of those like pretty like every house on the block is is different. Uh, some of them are the same, like they've been like built one after the other after the other with the same plans, but like each of them have a little bit of a change. Our house is like completely different, and and it's even like got this like the upstairs is, has this like old Norwegian style like facade and brick on the on the lower side but it's nowhere in it's even like the roof line is like different than all the other houses so i guess that gives you all the hints to find me on google earth but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard. but uh, yeah well you said tower grove park so i mean you yeah i mean you can limit it down to that neighborhood and then you can uh <laughs> but a lot of the houses there look i mean yes i understand what you mean by they're all different but they're all kind of the same yeah, too you like know what brick, i mean um they they kind of like the, the 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 road is kind of sunken and so there's like these little terrace they're kind of how the houses are kind of on a terrace sort of thing so yeah and yeah and some some of the streets have like two lanes with like a really nice little mini park in the middle and those are the really rich suburbs or really not suburbs really rich parts of the what what we had a friend who said what, what was it that she said that it was clayton Clayton was where all the wait no it was Ladue L- is where all Ledoux. the rich people live and Clayton is where all the rich people's butlers live or something yeah, like something that. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Ladue is like the the snooty and there's also like Huntley and 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 Frontenac. Yeah, that's where all the rich people live. But I've, I'm in the city proper, like in Tower Grove South, so it's not right. Like- yeah, 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 you're not far outside the, the limits of the city at all, and so does- not far from the hill even. So. Does right. Jen live officially in Seward, or does she, she live I in think she's in. Su- I think she's in Seward. Okay. So, yeah. I've been there a lot. Yeah. That that part, like Seward in the south part, we go to Gus's a lot, and we love the area around um, the Lent Mansion and mm-hmm. Anheuser-Busch and all that stuff. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah. I almost got married at a uh, at a little venue right across from the Limp. Uh, it was called the Corner Gates, and then they we luckily changed our venue, like because they're uh, we forget we we had to like pare down, like we had fewer people than uh, we wanted budget and all that stuff, so we picked a different venue, which was my backyard, in fact, <laughs> to actually have the wedding <laughs> and, and had the reception at the at the um, uh, whiskey bar, but conveniently they uh, we did that you know right before they went out of business, and now oh, they're nice. the, uh, they're a brewery and a, a burger place, so. Cool. Well, we should probably let you finish. Up, I'll let Bill finish up at least with the amateur radio stuff. I have a couple oh, yeah. of questions, a couple of um, uh, more lifestyle questions about St. Louis when we wrap up. So, <laughs> uh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna dive into just a couple of quick, short topics. Um, probably not ham radio related, but just history related, just for fun. Um, do you still play your uh, snare drum? <laughs> no, I don't. I still have. Some my old drumsticks, but uh, yeah, I played snare in uh, uh, high school, marching snare after 
graduating from cymbals. So, but I do. I still can play a mean drum set. Sweet. I don't have a drum set, but uh, and I play guitar <laughs> and I have a guitar, but I don't have an amp. So I haven't. I I'm musically inclined, but I haven't done any music for uh, forever <laughs> for a long time. Well, if uh, you uh, if you ever come out here, a friend of ours, um, his band practices. Well, he has two bands actually. He's a drummer for which, and he practices here all the time. And he has a, well, let's call it an expansive drum set here. So if you ever want to, if you ever want to bang some skins, uh, just come this way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw that sitting there. You, uh, when you yeah, the, yep. the, the video around the the shop there. Uh, but uh, all right. So uh, also, are, are you still playing golf? Oh yeah. Well, not this year. Weirdly enough, um, I played golf like crazy last year. Uh, I pretty much go almost every week, um, but this year, not really even because of COVID, because it's fine to go golfing with with COVID. I just you know move my money around, I guess, because it, it costs like twenty thirty dollars to just go to nine holes walking. Yeah. Because uh, so I'd burn a lot of money really fast like that. But this year I haven't. Um, but yeah, I top so off like crazy. Down to like a what eight or ten handicap. <laughs> I don't even I. I, what? Well, I, I think I tried to get a handicap proper, and like I have an app, like the Grint app. It like tells you what it should be, um, because I don't have enough like proper, like full eighteen holes. I think you need like ten and a certain yeah. amount of time and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah. yeah, it's about like eight or nine, maybe ten. So yeah, Spring, Springfield's getting one of those. It's not Top Golf, but it's a similar thing where it's a big enclosed, you know, mm-hmm. three tier. Uh, sort of driving range, virtual golf experience thing that that's going to be opening up next year. So that, that I'm kind of looking forward to that. I haven't yeah. played any like real golf in a long time. So, and my handicap's about I don't know 65. So <laughs> <laughs> I played in high school. My my grandpa always played, and and I learned from him. So it was it's just a, another fun hobby. But uh, I, uh, this weekend I'm going camping, and I bought a fly fishing kit. So there's another hobby I'm going to throw into my bag. Oh, you, my my dad would love to tell you he is uh well was <laughs> an, an avid fly fisherman. I mean that that was like the the love of his life back when he could still do it. So yeah, we have tons of fly fishing here. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called uh, big shots golf. Big shots. Yeah. Big, shots. big shots. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's a good business model. I've always wondered, like the the they have they used to have at Topgolf RFID readers that would read the trajectory of the ball and they would show your ball flight, but they got rid of those for some reason. They were like kind of slow, but every one of those balls has an RFID chip in it. Sweet. And I just like I just love the fact like there's that technology that RF that radio frequency <laughs> yeah, going right. back to like ham radio and and just like how it's just in everything. Radio is definitely in everything. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, back to ham radio. So, what was the last contest you were in, and what's the next one? Uh, last contest was I from? What not not the DX Worldwide that was like just this weekend? No, I barely <laughs> contest. It's, it's sad because uh, I don't have a good home station. I just can't get on, and, and I've been spending all my time, all my weekend time, doing other things. You know, um, but I do very uh, occasionally go down to Steelville for the um, for whatever contest that Ward Silver's putting on. In Zero AX has a station down there, a really nice contest station with three towers, a, a handful of beams and wires and verticals and all that stuff and it's on a mountain it's on a hill i guess uh far away from civilization so there's no noise and and what was the last one i might have been the iru no it was probably back 
in February before COVID was a thing. <laughs> sweepstakes, actually, November sweepstakes is pretty. I'm pretty sure it was my last like real contest. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing the worldwide s- single sideband activity contest, which is what a couple of the uh, young youngsters have put out. Um, and it's just a, like a little single sideband sprint. Um, and I definitely haven't been doing any CW contests, but I really should. Yeah, <laughs> you should get back on there. Okay, Russ, over to you for your lifestyle. Yeah, because don't you have a learning CW with N0 SSC series or something? <laughs> yeah, <What>? Maybe. <laughs> learning <laughs> online CW, right? <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Like, And I think I, I got at least a few people in, in into it, so I, I'm met the goal there the whole idea of live streaming that was just to like have accountability because i've been trying to learn cw for years like when i worked at the vla i had no cell signal for the whole commute and I, we took a bus to to go out to the, the actual radio observatory it was like an hour-long bus ride and so i would just sit there and practice listening writing it down with my cell phone you know recordings uh mp3 recordings of and then eventually some some app and thought i was getting better but just like didn't wasn't practicing actual on the air cw so that's like the next step once i you know finish this youth series up i think i'm going to try to do a lot more of that and actually learn cw and really do really use cw actually because that's how you that's how you do it yeah i mean get on the air absolutely it's it's impossible to do anything with cw unless you're actually practicing it i mean listening listening will help over time but you've got to really spend some time doing it and uh I feel like I'm the only straight key fist in the entire universe left because <laughs> everywhere else I talk to or hear about when they say they do CW, it's it's always oh I've got my ambic paddle key and blah blah blah. And it's like it's, all this stuff just confuses the hell out of me. I just use a straight key. <laughs> so, it sounds better on the air. That's right. <laughs> you can put some swing on it. Like that's uh, yeah. how you, you can you can know it's a straight key because it's da di da di. Yeah, exactly. Da-da-da. It looks style. <laughs> I've got an awesome style and straight keys tone. I mean, it's just like, yeah. It's yeah. like having auto tune. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I got in, I got into straight key, uh, the SKCC club. Like I'm a member, but I haven't like actually made any contacts, sadly. I have this really cute little tiny, uh, straight key that I, um, that I absolutely adore. It's like about an inch by a half an inch and it's like made out of, uh, machine metal. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, so uh, just a couple of, um, I'm just going to think of some things off the top of my head because Bill was like, hey, just talk to him about St. Louis because you're like Missouri folk, you know? It's like, yeah. So um, so do you like barbecue? Yeah. All right, what's your favorite barbecue Absolutely. place in St. Louis? Uh, It's Pat. Probably, yeah, it's got to be Pappy's. Oh. Well, see, we, no, we haven't been tried to Pappy's, Pappy's, but that's the really? data sugar fire. Yeah, it's so. either that or sugar fire. And uh, I know, yeah. I know they're in the same family and we've, we've only been to sugar fire. So yeah, sugar fire and what's the other one? There's it's very similar like that, but, but sure. Pappy's is the one where it's like you have this long line. You have to wait for two hours to get some of the best meats. It's, it's, it's it was the really same good. as sugar fire. Yeah, sugar fire is the same way. So. Oh. Because we went down to the one at uh, on Washington, Washington downtown, yeah. and uh, oh, okay, yeah, that one's pretty busy. But like, they're they have a chain. They have like a lot of sugar fire. Oh yeah, there's a sugar fire now. here uh, now. We, yeah, we, yeah, we have one here in Springfield. I think we've probably been to all of the different chain, all the different ones in St. Louis. Uh, uh, the other one I'm thinking about is Salt and Smoke. Um, yeah, so we haven't been to that. There's one, a couple so. of those around. There's Bogarts, uh, but besides that, and Pappy's. I haven't been to any other barbecue places. I don't uh, think. Obviously, we're going to have to try Pappy's because 
Yeah, we've heard a lot of people really say good. it's the best for sure. And I it know it reminds it's, me a lot of Oklahoma Joe's. If you oh, we go to Joe's all the time. So yeah, yeah. yeah so it's a it's a hundred and seventy five miles for us to go to Kansas City. Kansas so it's it is absolutely. Russ has been shocked in the mornings because I've gotten up and went. I'm going to run up to IKEA. He's like, "All right, have fun storming the castle," <laughs> <laughs> and I'll run up there and grab whatever I get and then drive back home. And he's like, "Why don't you just spend the night?" And I'm like why it's only three hours up and three hours back and he's like and three hours in ikea (laughs) i'm like all right whatever yeah Yeah, i don't i don't think they call themselves oklahoma joe's anymore i think it's It's just just joe's Joe's. it's just joe's because they're in kansas city um so yeah so we're gonna have to try pappy's for sure so so are you do you like sushi yes okay so So what's your favorite sushi restaurant none of them Honestly, <laughs> they're all we, bad. Yeah, we oh, tend to go really? to Sushi then, Eye. Then try just, Sushi Eye if you haven't. It's Sushi Eye is not. Yeah, yeah Sushi Eye. I've, I've tried that. Um, my favorite, which is my closest one right now, is is Cafe Mochi on Grand. Um, and they were their quality was really really high, but they've gone down over the past few years. Um, and then I went to it wasn't Sushi Eye. It was uh, uh, not Wasabi. It was another one, another chain. I think it's Koi Sushi in Central West End. And I had like two days of, of the worst gastrointestinal issue. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeez. I'm never going back to that one. That's, yeah. that's what you get for getting sushi in the Central West End for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, we are in St. Louis, far away from any you know body of water that carries these yeah. fish. So you, you, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah, but, no. uh, we I've love had, sushi eye. It's really good. Yeah, so. I've, I've had them a lot when I lived downtown because it was close and they had yeah. really good lunch specials. That yeah. Were, like yep. basically all you can eat. Yep. I think. Yeah, yep. that's that's what we get. They're even there's well, no, they're not doing all you can eat right now. Not, not right COVID. now. Yeah. But, right. We were in St. Louis a month or so ago and you know, ten o'clock at night we're running to sushi eye downtown. Because <laughs> we're just like, let's go get some sushi and we were staying out in Creve Kerr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, All right, whatever. Well, so. obviously we're next time I mean we're in St. Louis, yeah, I wouldn't say like all the time, but fairly Several frequently times a so, year. yeah, yeah. We, we need to hook up with sterling and so so not not uh just one more thing like not uh <laughs> cuisine specific but like what's your favorite place to go in in st louis area uh that's a really good question favorite just favorite in general place to go oh man i don't know i've, I've not <laughs> found it yet honestly i think right now or just list some places that you think are really good i mean well, I guess, you know, in terms of restaurant, um, or bars or, bars. yeah, whatever. I, so the we're, thing we're always fishing for places to go. So, you know, right, right. yeah, there you go. But like, I guess in, in my, from my point of view, I've been trying to try everything. So I haven't have, there was a really good restaurant called the block, but the thing about like these smaller restaurants in St. Louis is that they're, they're like ethereal. They just kind of show up and they're there for a year and then they're gone because they, <laughs> they tried to expand or they tried to do something dumb and then they ran out of money and then went out of business and then somebody else like comes in. Um, I love going to the loop. I used to love going to the loop. There was a lot of good, like, like, um, um, uh, what's the Korean, uh, barbecue place? Uh, Soul oh, Taco. The, yeah, that's the one that came no, out. Oh, uh, we went to City City Taco or Mish, City, Mission, Mission Taco. Taco. Yeah. Mission Taco. That's that's like more like Mexican style. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, the Korean style barbecue uh, is uh, sushi. Uh, uh, the other place, but the loop like they put in that they tried to put in the 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 trolley and just failed at it, and now the loop is just kind of like dying because of COVID, and yeah, you know, it's kind of this 
place like people people from out of town go and it's kind of the thing but oh man uh oh if you you like deep dish blackthorn pizza is right down the street from me they do deep dish takes about an hour to cook and they're kind of they're 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 kind of assholes to you (laughs) it's like a dingy like uh, dark kind of bar, divey type place. Yeah. Bar. Um, you get a beer, you get, you get your beers, wait for an hour, and your pizza comes out. It's it's not like Luminati's or Giannano's. It's it's a little bit different. It's still a deep dish with a big pie, big big load of cheese, and and you know um, it's but it's just a, I can't remember exactly what it was. I need to try it again, but yeah, it's really good. Um, and Pizza Head is our New York style, so. Those are probably the two best pizza restaurants I've been to, um, and that's those are both like within you know basically a stone's throw of my house. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so do you, so do you go to like Forest Park Coffee and get uh, gooey butter cake and all that stuff? Park Coffee? No, yeah. it's no, Park, no, not really. Park Avenue uh, Coffee. Yeah. Park, Park Avenue. Avenue yeah. Um, I used to do a lot more when I was downtown, but now I haven't. Um, in terms of coffee, I've been making my own. I'm, I'm a coffee nerd. Oh, no. Listen, a, we're not going down that blood. road. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's a whole night in itself. So uh, so normally when we wrap these things up, and we probably should wrap these things up, um, Why, we ask you, yeah, because yeah. it's like really freaking late. Yeah. And I would talk to you about St. Louis all night. But um, is there anything else that uh, we didn't mention or that Bill didn't talk about that you would like to mention? And make sure you tell us about uh, the Discord and anything else, like where people can find you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so. well, um, we've been going on it for it. Uh, I'm, I'm losing my you know ability <laughs> to talk it so late. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we hit most of the big things. Um, so, again, I'm N0SSC, and that's pretty much all you need to know. If you just type that into Google, you'll find me. N0SSC.com, YouTube.com slash N0SSC. Um, I run the Yark Discord, Young Amateurs Radio Club. That's yark.world. Um, and I'm on 1,500 other Discord servers. So it's, you know, Twitter, everything. I'm, I'm just there. I'm even on, like, the weird ones like Mastodon. And I've got a library.lbry um, channel and, and a couple of things. Cause I, I like to just have an account on everything. And, play and ours, even. So really yeah. esoteric ones. So, <laughs> hey, he even runs Linux in his basement. So, yeah, I've got yeah. like two or three. Right now, I have three laptops. I was running a, a Raspberry Pi as the um, an RF analyzer, like a, over a period of time, because my um, power lines in the back, uh, we in the back alley were like arcing, and I could hear it was just messing forty me, uh, messing everything below twenty meters completely to um hell and back but like it would turn off sometimes like the arcing would stop and so i set up a, a little raspberry pi and a rtl sdr and rtl power have it like run a graph over all day and then post that to a little web page so i can see why is it turning off at twelve thirty at night and eventually like got amarin to come down and and fix it but uh, i never really correlated to anything it was just kind of random on you know random things so maybe it's somebody you know turning their grow house off and on at random <laughs> so so are you going to change your call sign to n0ssm no <laughs> fun fact about me i changed my call sign to kq0 bravo kq0b and that was the 17th on my vanity list out of 25 that i put on there i i during there was this huge just uh, um, 
uh, opening up of all these two by four or two by ones and one by twos. So I put out um, a request to like, you know, get a new call sign and I put literally filled up all 25 blanks for the vanity call and got number 17, which was KQ0B, which I regretted like as soon as I got it because <laughs> it's not only like longer in CW, like than in zero SSC. It doesn't have a good rhythm, but it also like made me realize I am in zero SSC, like in zero SSC.com, Sterling and in zero SSC.com, in zero SSC on YouTube. Everyone knows in zero SSC is like the young amateur, you know, radio advocate guy. So changing everything to, to a new call sign is just going to be like crazy. And I still want to do it. I still want a two by one or a one by two just to get that, you know, extra class clout. But and that CW edge, but you know, it's going to be hard. Like that's actually just get rid of the zero. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> it, it's just crazy though. How, I, how I, much harder it is to change that than my own name. Like just from a perspective of like how it feels to me, you know, oh, I've said, I said the same thing yeah. and everyone yeah. has told me don't bother because K5 TUX is pretty much who you are. And mm-hmm. so, so are you KQ zero B or are you? No, in- no, no. I okay. changed back. So, because of the FCC rule, there's actually, I found out that it's a terrible thing. If there's these people who hoard the vanity call signs um, by applying for them and then going back to their call sign, their original one, because they tie that call sign up for the next two, two years, years. Yep. which is like, oh, well, that sucks. And and I actually got email from people locally that uh, were asking me if I'm, I knew Michael Elliott, who was the silent key passed away and, and his call sign expired and I ended up not, but actually found out all this cool history about him and his hand radioactivity in brazil and all over and he was a big contester and all this stuff uh which was which was interesting but uh i sadly clogged up that call sign for for the two years going back to inzer ssc and people were like oh you idiot you asshole you're you're just one of those people and i'm like no i actually just you know have this you know had that you know all of a sudden regret but there's actually people who i don't know what the what the end goal is maybe they're just farming them or trying to get the right one or, or something but uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, I'm keeping my call forever. I'm still in zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have mine forever too. So, mm-hmm. even though I live in Seven Land, you know. <laughs> yeah, even though I live in Zero Land. Um, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you live close enough to Five Land. Right? Well, I was in Five Land for a while. I worked there, and I still do. Actually, my company's in Five Land. So, um, all right. This has gone on way too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it has nothing to do whatsoever with you. I'm sure everybody could listen to you all night. It's it's not a problem. But we do need to wrap up the show because uh, I think our one hour show turned into a two hour show, and that's uh, that's fine actually. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks, Sterling. I really appreciate you coming on here, and we will definitely hook up sometime if it's all right with you, and uh, we'll we'll find some cool place in St. Louis to go and hang out and uh, have a chat. <laughs> yeah. That would be great, and and I occasionally go through Springfield and, and Joplin area. My par- my grandparents live in Independence, Kansas, so not not terribly too far. Away. Oh no, not far away yeah. at all. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, we're right off the interstate there. on in Mount Vernon. So yep. um, if you're if you're passing through Springfield and through Joplin, you go within a mile of our house. So yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, we'll we'll hook up some time, and, and uh, if you guys come up here, we'll find some even better barbecue. <laughs> better than happies i don't know i mean that's what yeah well there you go i don't know all right well thanks again and uh, we appreciate it and hopefully we'll talk to you again really soon and um i guess with that we have some feedback we need to do so who wants to take care of feedback <laughs> i'll go ahead and read uh, the first one cheryl, cheryl, did she, cheryl hasn't done a yeah, thing cheryl, tonight read something cheryl 
Um, okay, I'll read the first one. <laughs> we'll all right, you can read all. the first one. Yeah. All right, yeah, you Well, actually, answer. you can read them all and let Bill answer them all. And uh, when you get down to the one for, for Rich there, I'll, I'll get that queued up. So. Okay, all right. So our first piece of, uh, as Russ takes off again, <laughs> our first piece of feedback is from Steve, W7RD. It says, hi, I really enjoy the podcast. I couldn't find any show notes on the website, and Bill has no email on QRZ. Since he... Yeah, <laughs> since he mentioned this, but he said that there was three or four remote ham stations for rent. There's a free one, which really sucks, and remotehamradio.com, which is hella expensive. Please excuse my language, but those guys are effing assholes. <laughs> so that makes two remotes. What other options are there? I have searched countless times for an alternative that doesn't require a second mortgage. Good luck with the show in 73, Steve, W7RD. Well, I mean, for for just station remotes, there are some that are not specific to a commercial organization. There's a lot that uh, just rent their station out uh, individually, and there's a, a ton of uh, stations that you can actually kind of think of it like on the Airbnb <laughs> that you can do if you want to run a station somewhere else in a, in a foreign country or something like that, and you also want to take a vacation for the family at the same time. There's lots of opportunities for that, and you can find all those uh, via any of the uh, the websites uh, for ham radio. They're always being posted and stuff like that. But I guess if you're looking for something alternative to like remotehamradio.com or something like that, that that is slightly limited in that type of commercial enterprise. Um, and I'm not going to disagree with you on your statements about that, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are you are renting a station that uh, is a, a slightly un, unobtainium, uh, unobtainium for uh, for a lot of ham radio folks. Um, but uh, I, I would I would say that you you could probably explore it a little bit and maybe make some personal contacts, and you might be able to find a, a few more out there. So maybe maybe my uh, my uh, my statement was an exaggeration on uh, commercially available stations and stuff like that. But there are surely a ton of stations out there that uh, are, are are available for renting, whether that's rent the place with the antennas. Or, uh, or possibly just renting remotely. Um, but you have to kind of look for them. But, uh, yeah, there you go, Steve. Can I make a comment on that too? Yeah, go ahead. The, it's funny we come back to what we talk about remote because I didn't even I didn't even mention that but remote being a huge thing for you know young people uh, it's an easy way to like be get into HF for free uh, in a lot of cases like with uh, remote hams the RC Forb like it's like that terrible graphical user interface but it's still an interface to the ham radio and then remote hams remote ham radio they have a youth like scholarship or sponsorship program I don't know if it's still going or not but. Um, it is. It's a really nice way. And I actually just found out about, like, people sharing their TeamViewer logins just to, you know, get on, you know, their they, they host their radio on remote with just local and then just give them a TeamViewer login and that provides all the audio and you can just deal with that. And those are kind of, like, shared all over, you know, like you said, those ham radio sites. Just a really, that's also a really good way to get young people into it. And a lot of young people are using those those kinds of things, too. And a lot of clubs also provide, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the club station. If you're if you're lucky enough to be in a club that has a, their own location and stuff like that, um, I know like uh, the Tampa Amateur Radio Club is one of the ones that I was a member of at one point. And you know, 
for a certain tiered membership, you can use the uh, the remote remote uh, station, <laughs> and it works quite well because we uh, we used it as a uh, sort of a, a litmus test uh, station when we were at uh, Jamboree back in 2017. So, um, but yeah, there there are all kinds of opportunities out there that you can kind of explore and find, and uh, yeah, obviously if you're a youth looking to be on ham radio, if there's a scholarship available, that would be more awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. What else you got there, Cheryl? Okay, so our next one is a comment on episode 369 from Tom, K-E-4-H-E-T. It says, big thanks for putting together this episode. Took me a while to get to listening. Gave me several good ideas to try out. Oh, gosh. What was 369? I think that was the remote operations one. Oh, was it? Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, good. I'm glad you had a lot of fun with that. Uh, I know I'm still having fun with my Rig Pi software. Um, although I still haven't quite used it remotely beyond just uh, tuning and listening. Uh, I think it, there's a lot of uh, opportunity out there to uh, remote your own radio, which is always fun to do. Uh, 369 was actually a, um, Thursday night or oh. weekender. Oh, it was about, uh, booze. Cupcakes and drinking. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he may have been incorrect about the the, the number. Then I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, sixty nine. Yeah, weekender. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe I typed that wrong. I don't know. What was three sixty eight? I know three sixty nine weekender. Yeah, yeah. three sixty eight was remote operations. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that yeah. was three sixty eight. Then I probably fat fingered it. <laughs> so possible you're so fired i'll I'll look at where the next one is while you go read the next one okay (laughs) so our next one is a comment on episode number 373 from bill n e or excuse me n3 xl says glad i listened to the podcast learned a lot and that was the uh, grid tracker episode uh the third episode of grid tracker so grid uh, Grid tracker the third grid tracker the third yeah that was really (laughs) great to have uh tag and the uh other two developers what was that mike and uh uh, sebastian sebastian yeah i I had the s i was like it was a stefan or (laughs) (laughs) sebastian yeah that was uh, that was really fun we 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 all enjoyed that one yeah Yeah. and then you have a voice wait 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 did i just hear that sterling listens to the show Oh. <laughs> well, Scary. he just nailed himself to the wall. <laughs> uh, so you're number six. <laughs> okay. So for the next one, unless anyone has further comment about those, no, mm, no, no. Okay. Well, we have a comment or a voicemail from Rich K0EB, who is single-handedly keeping our google voice number alive <laughs> thank you rich um, and occasionally yeah. provides you know bsd uh, in the ham shack as well, well that's well, true yeah. and uh feel free for anybody who's listening to this to call our voice line one nine oh nine five four seven seven four six nine to leave us some voicemail we'd love to hear from you and you can make it so that it's not only rich who's leaving us voicemail <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we'll go ahead and play that. And unfortunately for the folks who are listening only in Mumble, Mumble will not hear this. Uh, so if you want to flip over to the stream real quick, you can hear it. And those folks who are listening live will be able to hear it. Uh, but this is our voicemail from Rich, K0EB. Uh, hi, this is Rich, K0EB. I just wanted to say the Grid Tracker episodes have been really good. Uh, Tag has great enthusiasm. They're they're fun to listen to and it's uh, it's a great little project. It's, it's, I'm glad to hear that it's progressing. 
Uh, I just thought I would mention a little application called Undertime, and it uh, is a command line application that will show you uh, your um, your time zone compared with other time zones. So it's just a it's a it's easy to look at chart, and it's very easy to uh, invoke. Also, you just type in under time space, and then um, it will automatically print out your time zone, whatever your computer is set to. So then you would just put uh, under time space UTC, and you'll get it your time zone compared to UTC. UTC. <laughs> uh, and you can type in uh, Perth, and then you could get um, a Perth time zone there. So you could see how Eric is, uh, is it, how late or early uh, he is, if he's in the chat there. Anyway, BK6, uh, EK, is that right? Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, it's uh, just a really neat app. You can search for it. You can Lycos it, uh, undertime, space, PyPy, pi, that's P-Y-P-I, and it'll come up. Uh, you can use, uh, you know, other search engines as well. Love the show. Thanks, guys. 73K0EB. And yes, as we uh, as we noted before, Rich K0EB is actually in the chat room tonight, and he corrected himself in the chat room to say that VK6EK is actually Darren, not Eric, um, <laughs> which is fine. I, maybe he was confusing 4Z1UG uh, for VK6EK because they, they all have crazy call signs. So, <laughs> But I, I will include a link to Undertime in the show notes if you're interested in that. And uh, it is... Uh, it is available, uh, you can install it using PIP, P-I-P, uh, on your systems if you have Python installed, uh, and probably other methods if you don't. And uh, it, it is a, like a columnar graphical representation of time zones that shows you a relationship between a current time zone and multiple other time zones. So yeah, other people who are, who are doing a lot of DX work might find that quite useful. And it operates inside a terminal, so very handy and very lightweight. So thanks, Rich. Appreciate you being here, and thanks for the voicemail. And uh, I think we're finally down to the end, and, and Sterling's still here, so cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 um, so he's going to have to have some of his extra special homebrewed coffee in the morning as he heads oh, yeah, over to, yeah. to Boeing. Um, but uh, are you working at – are you in the office? Are you, are you an essential worker? I am an essential worker. Yeah, it's, it's sad. All, all my coworkers, a lot of my coworkers, are like out of uh, and they're working from home and stuff. But nope, I gotta drive my car. It was nice. Like it was really nice at the beginning because there's just no traffic. And now you know this last couple weeks um, or last couple days actually, the the traffic has returned. Sixty four and uh, one seventy like have have started to become trafficy, traffic jammy again. It's crazy. Well, with the spike in COVID cases, you can be sure that that will stop again. So <laughs> the, ro- the roads will be empty soon. <laughs> uh, and with that, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We'll mention the folks who are with us tonight in the chat room, some of which have probably already gone to bed. But the folks who were here at the beginning, at least, uh, were Steve K7HVT, Tony K4XSS, Jonas Rulo, Gene BX8AAD, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, and, of course, Rich, K0EB. I want to thank everybody for being here. And an extra special thanks once again to Sterling Mann, uh, Nay Coffee, for being here tonight and telling us all about uh, Ute in amateur radio. Thank you very much. It's been a huge 
pleasure and honor to be on the uh, the famous, the infamous uh, LHS podcast. <laughs> In- infamous is absolutely <laughs> correct. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and wrap up this uh, episode number 376 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.